Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our faithful confession of our Lutheran faith, what scripture teaches us. I was going to do something else there, but it already failed. I still don't have the rush shaken off after the Christmas break, second week back, but we'll get it going here. But our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians with us to do this discussion of our Lutheran Confession of Faith is Dr. Kevin Armbrust. He is the Director of Editorial for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And then we have Peter Slayton, who is the Social Media Manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. You may also hear their voices from time to time. They are the hosts of the podcast Crucial Conversations, which comes to you from Crucial Productions. Yes. Uh, But we thank you for giving of your time and being on this show with KFUO Radio and, and being excellent confessors of the faith and all the work that you do. For the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church <laughs> and for Crucial Productions and KFO, you're much appreciated. Today, we're going to cover the negative statements. So this is yet again. I covered a very, mine in post-it notes. I a can't very see them anymore. Negative show. Another one. Layman Slayton. Woo. I didn't introduce you as Layman Slayton. See this rust That's thing. Okay. I gotta I shake know. the rust off. Yeah. Get back into how to do the radio. Although, doesn't everybody was, think you were on live last week? We were. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was not at all recorded before the Christmas break. No, no. that d- that didn't yeah. happen. But we are live today. <laughs> it's As a beautiful sunshiny day here in January, and we will shake the rust off and we will we will get back in to discussing the formula of Concord. Uh down to business now, guys, this is what we're here for. Okay. The formula of Concord, Article two of the free will summary. You don't have any. At least in matters of faith. <laughs> That's the affirmative statements. Maybe grossly oversummarized. Which we're going to learn yeah. in a bit. In a bit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but today, yeah, we're going to cover the negative theses, uh, the arguments uh, that were brought up um, that are wrong, that are false, false arguments uh, about the free will. And, uh, and we'll discuss why, why they're wrong. And not just to be mean about it, but because this is, this is a matter of the faith and, and faithful confession of what scripture teaches us. And because he does it so well, and he has not yet uh, talked and given me a hard time. So I'm going to, I'm going to mute Layman Slayton's microphone, <laughs> but uh, Dr. Kevin Armbrist, would you like to give us a summary of, of the article of free will kind of just in a nutshell here? So the article of free will is not really discussing whether or not humans have a will, but it's whether or not that will is free to cooperate with God in the work of salvation. That's the, that's the most important issue at, at hand in this, in this article is whether or not humans cooperate with God in our salvation. So is there, is there a freedom within our will to agree with God for the good things that he, he does and says, or is our will 
entirely corrupted by original sin and unable to cooperate with God. So, so this, as we talked about last time, this really does become an issue of monotheism and mono, if you want to say monergism, right? God alone working to save is really yeah the, divine monergism. Divine monergism, yeah. right? Yeah, fancy, fancy term. Fancy words. Ooh, I know that yeah. fancy term. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and so yeah, I mean, I was having a little fun with my gross oversimplification, but it, but it is true. You know, and and I like how you highlighted exactly what we are talking about. We talked about this with the first article on sin as well. The argument is not is there sin, right? Or or you know, and so forth. It's it's about specific issues that have come up. In, in, in regards to that, and we've even kind of jokingly from time to time referenced, you know, it's it's kind of the annoying thing of the formula of Concord. Really, the whole book of Concord is that it assumes, yes, there is a God. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is sin. That is mm-hmm. your problem, right? Um, yes, there there is this matter of the will, right, That that is out there. Now, these are the issues that have come up. And, and again, most of the time we're responding to direct false teachings that have come up with regards to free will. Right. Um, and when it comes to the matters of salvation, you don't have a free will. It, it is divine no. monergism is God who works to save. Yes. And so that is a good summary indeed of the uh, the affirmative statements. And so then we're going to see here how this plays out with the negative statements, um, which you know, it's difficult to kind of cover these things without talking about some of the issues. So last week's episode, uh, which was not at all recorded before Christmas. Um, <laughs> That's not a maybe, thing. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the, the affirmative statements, you know, we, we kind of had to talk about some of these things already on that show. So you can check out the archive, but there's, there's lots more to get into here. So with that uh, wonderful summary down to business, no more fun guys. Let's be serious here. Uh, we are in uh, always good reminder. We are using the Concordia, the Lutheran confessions, a reader's edition of the book of Concord available to you from Concordia publishing house, the publishing arm of the Lutheran church, Missouri synod. And we are picking up with the formula of Concord, the epitome of the formula of Concord, which we've discussed on previous shows. Uh, we'll maybe have some references to the solid declaration, the more lengthy treatment, but the epitome uh, of the formula of Concord. And this is paragraph seven of article two on the free will, the beginning of the negative statements or the contrary false teachings. So we reject and condemn all the following errors as contrary to the standard of God's word. First, this is paragraph eight, but point one is it gets so confusing here. <laughs> Buy your own book of Concord so that you can follow along. Unless Just you're wait till point eight and point nine come. I got confused and Kevin had to explain it to me. So that'll be interesting when yeah, we get there. Because then there's sub points too. With okay, uh-huh, yeah. we're gonna try to make this clear. It is an audio show, and if you haven't like turned off your your podcast already (laughs) thanks for sticking with us we're down to four listeners now from the five that we usually have all right moving on though the insane ideas of the philosophers who are called stoics we reject also the ideas of the manichaeans who taught that everything that happens must so happen and cannot happen otherwise everything that a person does even in outward things he does by compulsion he is forced to do evil works and deeds such as in chastity robbery, murder, theft, and the like. All right. I, I feel like there's there's enough oh, yeah. inflammatory language in there um, <laughs> to, to have some fun with. So so this insane idea of the philosophers, the Stoics. See, I always wanted to be a Stoic, you know, so I, it's unfortunate I see, that it's see, an insane idea. I want to change my, my Twitter description now to something like, 
a hater of the insane ideas of the philosophers who are called Stoics. And, like, that's going to define me on Twitter now. What what an age we live in when, when of course, you are the social media manager for the Lutheran Church. Part of my idiom, You're considering... <laughs> How you describe yourself on Twitter. Okay. We'll, we'll throw that back over to the Dr. Uh, Kevin Armbrust then. Uh, what, what's going on? Yeah, what, what are these insane well, ideas? I think we, we don't want to skip over. It's kind, of, it's kind of like Exodus 20. We skip a verse that we shouldn't. If you say, what's the Ten Commandments? We skip the first verse of Exodus 20 and go right to thou shalt not, right? Or thou shalt have no other gods before me. But the verse before that actually is important. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who called you out of Egypt. Yeah. That's actually important for us to learn and to understand the Ten Commandments. Well, we don't want to skip paragraph 7, which is before the first negative statement. So we reject and condemn all the, the following errors as contrary. Now, this is important. To the standard of God's word. This is actually the point of the argument. We're going to argue against everything that human reason tells us because scripture teaches that we don't have free will. And that's actually why we're going to argue against the Stoics and the Manichaeans and synergism and you know, Pelagianism and Pelagianism and annihilationism and all these things are arguments because these are actually logical things that we have come up with to explain our relationship with God or how salvation works or our view of the world or our view of ethics and morality. And what the confessors are saying here is that those aren't the standards we're looking to. We're going to look and see what scripture teaches us. And that's going to be what actually defines this argument for us. And we don't want to skip that fact because that's why the the philosopher's ideas are called insane. <laughs> right? It's not that philosophers are stupid. It's that they're, they're, they're using the wrong measure. They're using the wrong standard. And, and what the confessors are saying is the standard we're going to use is God's word. Right. And that's going to shape our arguments so that when we come to the Stoics, we're not going to say, is it logical? That's not the argument. The Which argument, would be a very philosophical or argument. Or is it reasonable? Right. Right. Is it Which reasonable? is actually their argument. Right. Is that that logic leads to Stoicism. That's actually Sto That's the whole idea of Stoicism. And so we're going to say, no, 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 that's not our argument. We're going to argue what God's word teaches. And that's a fundamental part of this whole discussion is that. I'm not asking you what feels right or what you think you perceive or what makes sense to you. The, the question in this article is, what does God's word teach about free will? What does God's word teach about the role of humanity in salvation? What does scripture teach about my ability to cooperate with God when it comes to receiving salvation from him? Well, and you see this playing out every time. At least I've had this conversation with somebody where we're trying to figure out how does this work. I mean, I remember years ago, and actually the note is probably still up on my Facebook page, The I was going to have this discussion with my friends of, okay, is it free will or is it you know predestination? What's the answer, people? And at the time, I was a member of a Lutheran church, but theologically I wasn't actually Lutheran. So I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't really care. For the sake of the show, we're glad you came around. Well, yeah. <laughs> And for the also, sake of his children and my soul yeah. and you know family all that yeah but it, i remember ha having the discussion and that this is exactly how it played out well logically if it's not free will it therefore must be 
well, everything is predestined. It's predetermined. You either get the, the Stoics or you get the, the Manichaeans. And, and when, you, when you see these discussions, they immediately and almost always without fail run straight to that unless somebody steps back and says, well, what does God's word say? But even then, what I see people doing and what I have done, because you'll probably see me, if any of you who are listening are actually friends with me on Facebook and go look at my notes, you'll see it there because I didn't take it down. I did the same thing where it's like, well, I'm going to pick the verses that seem to support my logical, reasonable argument. I'm going to ignore the verses or explain away the ones that don't. What's driving this? Still my own reason. Still my own understanding. Still my own perspective trying to grasp this so that it makes sense. Um, and that that's... We just have a very short version of that right here where they're saying it's not this and it's not that. It's God's word. What does God's word say? Yeah, and I, I think it's important to highlight here too that this doesn't mean that we're anti-reason, right? Uh, in 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 a good sense, right? Apart that, from the original sin part. Well, you know, but <laughs> just just think about though the the explanation Luther's explanation to the first article of the creed, right? He gave us our reason and all our senses. We we should use our reason mm-hmm. to to figure out what he has allowed us to know, but we have to have a standard to go by, right? And that's God's word. Is that I mean, is that a fair assessment of what we're saying here? Because because even this, I mean, th- we've made this point many times. This is a logical argument. They they're laying this out in in the use of logic and rhetoric and and, mm-hmm. and how you do all the things that the philosophers taught us. And so, you know, we, we can make use of these things, but we have to recognize what, and this goes back to the first article then, right? Is that our original sin corrupts us entirely. And so our reason is then corrupted. And so what we have come to call reason in the world, right, our, our, our ability to reason things out and figure things out. And, and we still have this tension going on in the church today, right, mm-hmm. where, you know, oh, well, you know, but we figured this out in the world. And so we should really understand Scripture this way. I mean, this is exactly what comes up in the issues of homosexuality and even the view of abortion. Evolution so, is a big one. Evolution's yeah. a big one, right? You know, well, we know more now. So, like, we anything, have to under- Anything with science. Right. Throw and science so we have to understand Scripture in light of these things that that's the corruption of things right and and what we have to say is, is no god's word is god's word he he is he is the author of all life and all reason and and that becomes that becomes our guiding force and i think the struggle though is when we even when so what's interesting is we're going to get to this article later on where it's like it's okay to use this particular phrase but not if you don't explain it and i'm wondering if we just kind of walked into a a kind of a situation like that where we can say, yes, it's good to use your reason, but we have to explain what we mean because I've seen so many times where I will start with that line of reasoning on why my reason is okay. And I don't end up confessing what scripture confesses because somewhere either in my starting point or on that path, I actually started trusting my reason over anything else because I was making the argument that reason is good I've started by trusting my reason. And so it's it's kind of one of those, yeah, but I think we have to be careful at the same time. And I'm not always going to know when I've jumped the shark and gone the wrong direction. 
Did you get that cultural reference, Kevin? That was painful. <laughs> I did not, painfully. So we'll move on. So, but, I mean, but again, I think the key then is the starting point, mm-hmm. right? Um, because even for the ancient philosophers, the, the starting point would be, you know, kind of kind of the ancient works and things like that, right? You know, so you're going to have things that are forming your reason. Well, they'll start with my reason must be good because humans are generally good. I mean, that's kind of one of the foundational right. reasons. But that's what even formed by other things, right? And influenced yeah. by other things. Yeah. So it's your starting point. And so when, when well, eventually we start... postmodernism taught us that, yes, that it's informed by other things. But it took a while to get there. <laughs> well, but I mean, <laughs> what I mean is when you're starting with Scripture, right? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, this, this is a, another gross oversimplification. Not as bad as I started the show <laughs> with. But, uh, you is know, it as bad as the ones I've done so far? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but, but the, the idea that... Um, you know, you, you come to something in scripture, you know, that, that, that seems unreasonable. Let, let, let's just say, you know, like views on sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel this natural desire to just kind of sow my wild oats or whatever. Right. And so, you know, that seems reasonable. Well, and it seems unreasonable what scripture says about what is right, which is one man, one woman, and in the committed relationship of marriage mm-hmm. until death do you part. Right. And, and that's, seems unreasonable but we're we're coming from outside formed informed ideas and bringing that into scripture rather than saying okay that seems unreasonable and of course it seems unreasonable i have a corrupted will i have a corrupted reason that's article one right (laughs) and so you know how do i then begin to understand and then see the reasonable logic of what scripture actually presents to us, that it actually is better for society. Go figure. The, even the secular research shows this, right? You know, and so, I mean, you, you start to see what we call true reason or true science or anything else that you you have there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we get caught off into these, <laughs> these this, this human corrupted reason. I, th- I think that the difficulty in this whole conversation is that's great, but then I can't read the Bible because... No matter what I do, I have to interpret words using human ideas and and grammar and syntax and morphology and philology and spelling. That's human reason. It's human logic. It's human rationalism. So now we're trapped because I can't read the, God, the word of God because my reason is the only thing I have to use to read these words. And so like we said, the confessors use Aristotelian logic and rhetoric all the time throughout the book of Concord, even as they're decrying Aristotelian <laughs> logic and rhetoric. And, and so it, it's not, it's not really the question of whether or not human reason is a good thing. It's, and I, I keep saying this is, is that we have to crucify it. You have to crucify your logic. You have to crucify your reason. You have to crucify even your intellect. And, and we don't read scripture as, as intellectually logical or intellectually reasonable we read it as Christocentric. It's it's a revelation of who God is in Christ for us. And then that informs a reasonable reading of it. See, it, it, this is actually the point even of this article is that when you start going down these roads of, well, it's it's my will playing a role or it's it's determinism or whatever. Well, then what does that do with Christ? What does it do with Christ on the cross for you? What does it do with justification by grace through faith? It, it actually mitigates against it. And, and we can't do that because scripture teaches us that this is the fundamental doctrine. It's justification by grace through faith and for Christ's sake. You know, what Christ did on the cross is God's action to save his people. So I don't care how I reason around that. 
I can't negate that principle. So even in our reading of scripture, we don't say, well, we're going to make sure it's a reasonable reading. No, we're going to make sure it's a Christological, a Christocentric reading. It's, it's a reading that's based on justification by grace through faith. And this becomes actually a major issue as we unpack this, this article, these negative theses, is that a lot of these people are reading the same words of scripture that we are, right? But they're coming about it from a different point of view, from a presuppositional point of view. So logically then, they're not starting at the, at the foundational level of justification by grace through faith and Christology as the center of scripture. They're starting somewhere else. So you can read the entire Bible based on what do I do to get God to love me? And you will find plenty of passages. Oh, there's, there's a whole list. That you, there's preachers who spend their whole life doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Who will use scriptural passages to say, if you pray this way, God will bless you this way. If you do this, God will respond to blessing that, right? Open the storehouses of heaven, all this kind of stuff. That's from the Bible. But, but see, our argument is not that they're stupid or, unlo- or unreasonable. Or, or that the Bible doesn't say that. Right. Because the verse is right there. It's right there. <laughs> our argument is actually... That's not how God has taught us to read his holy word, right? We, we want to read the scriptures as God has taught us to. And if you read the scriptures from, from beginning to end, it really is the message of God saving his people by grace through faith. And that is, that is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we say, this is how we're going to approach it. This is, this is our hermeneutic. That's a big fancy word for how you're going to read a text, right? This is how we're going to read the Bible. And, and we say, you know, philosophy might come in and say, well, saying that God is the one who saves, that, that might not make any sense because whatever, whatever, whatever. And we're going to say, I'm not worried about whether it makes sense or not. That's what scripture teaches us. So we are going to read the entire scriptures in light of that theology. And I think that's, that's an important thing as we discuss the role of reason and logic is that it's, it's not whether or not these things are good or bad. It's, it's how are we going to read God's word? How are we going to interpret life sinners? I walk into church on Sunday and my pastor is not very kind, right? The first thing he says is, Hey, if, if you think you have no sin, you deceive, you deceive yourself. yourself and the truth is not in you. I happen right. to know your pastor, and so yeah. you had me there for a second. Yeah, I was, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh, what's he going to say? But see, that's the point. And then what do I say to him? I say, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. But if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive my sins, right? So, so right away, the conversation is not, how do you see yourself? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about this world and life? No, the conversation is directly to what God has told us. And that is focused on Christ and what he has done to save a sinner, this sinner, that sinner, right? All sinners. Well, one of the best things that you've brought onto the show since you've come on is, is this language of you're going to, you got to crucify that, right? Uh, I, I like it and, and, and have uh, commended that on, on several shows since you've been on. And, and, and I want to, I want to tag on to this because we've discussed this idea before and it's kind of where it's I was kind going. Of a but, crucial theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back to the show. But uh, yeah, so so the, what I was bringing up in essence then, right, is in that discussion point is something I remember from, from seminary. I, I wish I could remember which professor used to talk about this, but he said, you don't interpret scripture. 
you understand scripture through Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and your language of you got to crucify that yep. fits right in well with it. And that's kind of what I was saying with, you know, what what's your starting point here? Mm-hmm. Because, because, right, to our corrupted reason, it seems unreasonable, these things, you know, that, that he would leave the glories of heaven mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and be without sin and enter into this messy world and then give his life suffering the full wrath of God for me. That makes no earthly sense. I mean, nobody does that. And no, nobody is going to come up with that as the solution to our problem. Right. Either. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I can remember as a child and, and maybe even like last week, you know, thinking about if I were to set about the, the salvation of the human race. Right. I might do it this way. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? None of them would actually work. Right. And so when when we when we crucify our reason even right mm-hmm. then then that's what i mean by then we have true reason because it is it is god who is the author of our reason telling us no this is just actually how it is mm-hmm. and and i love how you brought in you know we see this all throughout scripture and, and what he's doing to save his people and especially you get this in the old testament a lot it's quite in contrary to their own use of corrupted reason which is actively going the other way, but they think that it's better for them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, well, we'll build a tower up to the heavens. And God comes down and looks around and is like, this puny little tower. Come on, guys. I got a better idea here for you. Right? How, how about a golden calf? Yeah, yeah. That'll work for yeah. us. Well, or, or even before that, we get to the Red Sea. Oh, we'll just go back. You know, I know slavery right. was bad, but it'll be better for us. At least we had food back in Egypt. God right? told us to raise up this serpent. Yeah. Well, let's worship it now. That yeah. sounds like a good idea, too. But even even things that seem more logical for us as Americans. Well, all the other nations have kings. And they're doing well. Don't you want good things for us, God? We want a king too, so we can be like them. You know, and and it seems Here's logical. Saul. How'd that work out for right. you? <laughs> and God actually says, "You don't really want a king because I'm your king." Here's what's going to happen. So, I mean, even we before we get too judgmental on, you know, I would never put a golden calf. I would never turn back and go back to Egypt. But I think a lot of times we all say, "Well, God, can't I have that?" I mean, this whole world has that, and they're doing fine, or they seem to be blessed. Can I have that? They seem to be really enjoying themselves. Right. They seem to be happy. We're, we're only just over a week into the Epiphany season, so I don't think it's too bad to go back to, to uh, the Christmas. But Martin Luther's Christmas book, I love what he does with this. You know, even with the Christmas thing, you know, like, you know, he has this line in there uh, in a Christmas sermon, you know, oh, yeah, you know, if you had been in Bethlehem, you say, well, I would have opened my home to Jesus. You say that now, but why don't you do that to Christ who's in your neighbor, right? And mm-hmm. and we can say the same thing mm-hmm. with all these other things, mm-hmm. right? But but even then, right? Yeah, how often do we look for if we could just get the right president in yep. office or the right politicians or the, you know, whatever else, like things will be better, everything will be great. And it's like, your reason is making it worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So, so just, uh, you know, set your things on things above, set your mind on things above and not on things below and, and let that guide your reason. Let that, right. let that, let it crucify your reason. Right. reason. Well, and that's and that's exactly right. Colossians three says, you know, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your minds on things above. See, it's it's not just a philosophical. I'm going to move my mind somewhere else. It's it's the death and resurrection of Christ that sets our minds on things above. Right? And you're, you're now with it. him. It does it. You're with and, him, and you're in him, and that defines everything you do from now on. Yep. You're you're never separate from that reality anymore. 
And he does that in his word. I mean, it, it's it's exactly what does these things to you that set your mind. I, yeah. I mean, yes. you start to see it all come together. And then this is the importance, although it's completely unreasonable because I could probably make more money if I could work Sunday mornings, right, and not have to go to church with a bunch of people that tell me I'm a poor, miserable sinner, you know, that jerk of a pastor. I mean, <laughs> uh, or work on Saturday and sleep on Sunday. That'd be yeah. even nicer. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or just, all, I mean, all sorts of other things. And doesn't God want me to care for my family? And, you know, so this is important. And we can we can make all sorts of arguments and so forth. But no, like when we understand this is actually what's going on. Yeah. Where else can I be? But where his word is. That is setting my mind on things above. It, it is crucifying my reason, and it's re, reforming and reshaping. It's recreating me. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yes, that's the biblical word. There it's recreating so, me. So you think of of Second Corinthians chapter five, and and I have a weird mix up of ESV and NIV in my head, and a little bit of the Greek too, and behind. So whatever it says, but it kind of goes like this. Starting in verse fourteen, it says, "For the love of Christ compels us, for we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died." And those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. So we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do do so no longer. And this is the verse you're getting at, right? Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And what that means is like you hear about Paul talking about we live because of the death and resurrection of Christ, but it also changes our viewpoint. We learn to see the world differently. We learn to see everything differently because the the act of salvation is is god not destroying us but actually recreating us and we're way overdue for a break i was wondering about theory please come right back after this break Chapel serves those who serve the Lord to be receivers of the word and to remember where our true help is found. Hear God's word read, preached, confessed, and sung in the broadcast of Daily Chapel from the LCMS International Center in St. Louis weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. The broadcast of Chapel is underwritten by LCMS International Mission and Ministry to the Armed Forces. This week on Lamplighter Theater. Come, child. The carriage is waiting. No! Mother! Father! I have orders to arrest Sir Alan Levin for the crime of treason. No, Father, please. Don't miss the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of word and work be busy on your corner. The Gospel of John says the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is the difference between God's law and God's grace? Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Pastor Matt Harrison about grace. 
We'll also discuss Jesus' baptism and temptation with Pastor Tom Baker. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. And welcome back to Concord Matters with our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians, Dr. Kevin Armbrust, who is the director of editorial for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. They're also the hosts of Crucial Conversations podcast, and we thank them for joining us here on KFUO, as they do from time to time to be on this show, Concord Matters. I, and, I was here on this one first, so I kind of stick around. It's, that's good. It's good. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You and I have been doing this together a long time. It has been a long we time. We brought in Pastor Ill, who's not with us today. but uh, He's being a pastor, and we're yeah, okay with that. That's good, too. Yeah. We, we commend that. Um, in theory, I do that sometimes, too, <laughs> um, when I'm not messing up hosting duties of this, this show. But back to business, because this is really important. So we read this one point. We made it a whole negative thesis so far. Yeah. And we haven't even really discussed it. Um, we read it. Um, but then we got really good conversation going. and Okay, uh, so, so I have a question uh-huh. that hopefully takes the conversation we just had and applies it to this negative thesis. I have no idea what these insane ideas of the Stoics are. <laughs> so I'd love to hear um, what, when you guys can tell me what that is, and then how do we actually then look at those ideas in the way that we just discussed? How do we crucify those ideas, as Dr. Kevin puts it? So this is this is a helpful reminder. We pointed this out on the show before, um, but it bears repeating that if you go to Concordia Publishing House, the publishing arm of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, and get this really helpful reader's edition of the Book of Concord that we use on this show, there are other great editions of the Book of Concord out there as well. But uh, we use this not just because it comes from our church body, um, but because it's really helpful and it is designed for readers. And there's an index in the back as like, you know, your textbooks in school used to have and so forth. And it identifies the different persons and groups and things like that that come up in the Book of Concord that, you know, yeah, you could go do a, a Google search, but you might not find things that actually pertain to our Lutheran confessions as they're brought up there. So I'm going to handle the Stoics. I'm going to leave uh, Dr. Uh, Kevin to uh, handle the Manichaeans. Who's going to crucify him? Wait, can I say that? Well, we'll all do that. I, I don't think that's no, how we I think we did that, that so. to Jesus, but it turned out to be for our good. So <laughs> oh, okay. it, was, it was a good thing. Um, but this is what it says about the Stoics. So I'm going to actually jump a couple lines because it gives you the Greek root word and where it comes from. And, and that's helpful stuff. I really enjoy that stuff. But uh, just just for a definition here. So it says, earlier Stoics stressed logic. Later Stoics stressed ethics. Stoicism is a form of materialistic monism. It is deterministic regarding God as the all-pervading energy or spirit, pneuma, law and reason, logos. That's where we get logic from. That gives order and beauty to the world. In ethics, people must recognize that they cannot change the predetermined course of events. So you were talking about predestination earlier, Mm -hmm. and we brought up determinism and so forth. And it goes on here. Absolutely self-sufficient Stoics can practice the virtues, practical wisdom, bravery, justice, self-control. They are not bound to to things or life itself. So I joked at the beginning of the show, you know, it's unfortunate these are insane ideas because actually, I mean, I I love the idea of... (laughs) of the the stoics um but but this is you know again that determinism plays in there and we and we've got that showing up here um you know when it talks about at the end 
forced to do evil works and deeds such as in chastity, robbery, murder, theft, and the like. You know, that's that's kind of the determinism coming out there. Um, I'm going to let Dr. Kevin handle the Manichaeans, and then uh, and then we'll jump in uh, to crucifying this. <laughs> I think it's it's not hard. Manichaeans is simply dualism. It, that's the easiest thing to remember with, with Manichaeism is dualism. When you think of dualism, you think of there's, there's two forces at work and they're equal. Okay. This is, this is what's preserved today in the yin and yang symbol where there's, there's two equal forces and then there's a little bit of mixture of both and there, you know, a little bit of whatever, but, but that's all Manichaeism is, is there's, there's two forces at work. One is for good. One is for evil. And also star Wars, star Wars is Manichaeism. Um, very much so. And your life is, is kind of determined by these, the interaction of these two forces, um, one having dominance at times, others having other dominance at other times, or you're kind of caught in the middle, depending on what branch of Manichaeanism or dualism that you fight. So you have light and darkness. You have you know, good and evil. And, and the, the issue with Manichaeanism and other dualistic philosophies is that they are equal. You know, we, we believe that there, are, there is good and evil. We believe there is light and dark, but we don't believe they're equal. Um, so, portrayed by the old cartoons, right? You have the the little devil the on one shoulder and, and yeah, the exactly angel on the other shoulder. Exactly. Which one are you going to listen right. to? So you're <laughs> stuck in the middle. So that's that's a free will look at this of dualism is that you're you're free to choose between the good angel or bad angel. But the the Manichaean and the deterministic view is that you're kind of subject to the whims of these two evil and good forces. So that. You know, if I do good, it's because I'm being controlled by a good force, however you want to label that. And if I happen to perpetuate evil, then that's because I'm being controlled by an evil force. And it's not. So you're saying the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. So I'm not responsible for that. It's determined. Um, I just kind of live my life in the intersection of these two things and, and try to do my best to move the needle toward the good. But, you know, I can't really be held responsible if I, if I mess up and do something that the world says is evil. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the basic Manichaean idea. It's, that's not a holistic idea, but that's kind of the basis of it. Which, you know, these things seem so foreign and we just talked in, in a somewhat academic way, although bringing it back to, again, the cartoons even play right. with this idea and so yep. forth. These sorts of philosophies are still with us today. Oh, right? they're everywhere. You know, good people <laughs> are good people because they do good things mm -hmm. and that's who they are by nature. Right. Mm -hmm. And bad people are bad people because they they're just bad to their core and all mm -hmm. they'll do is bad things. Right. And, and and we see this constantly playing on our culture and we get so surprised and frustrated with it. And and then, you know, we've talked on the show before secular humanism, that kind of whole idea of, you know, if we can just stir up people enough to stir up the good in people enough uh, you know, that then they'll do good things. And and so then we get into these things like, you know, forced to do evil works and so forth. I mean, most people would probably say, well, but I'm a good person, right? So mm -hmm. I, I don't do these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, except for, you know, this in chastity thing. Oh, <laughs> you know, our culture, is that, <laughs> it's is that evil? Yeah, it's natural. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. it can't be evil. Yeah. You got the so, determinism going on right. in a statement like that. I think we often see these popping or, or up. This in, is just the way God made me. Yeah, and questions right? of responsibility. Yeah. Are you responsible for your actions? We see these these philosophies coming into play very quickly because we we don't want to be responsible. I want, I want to blame something else. Um, yeah, I think we should call this episode the Star Wars Heresy. <laughs> Star Wars Heresy. <laughs> uh, timely too, uh, which really works yeah. in culture. Yeah. 
Um, okay, but, so how, how do we crucify these ideas then? What does that actually look like? Well, I want to muddy the waters just a little Ooh, bit more too. Okay, you know, so my my father actually uh, brought this up to me. Um, you know that we had an earlier episode back last year. You know uh, where we were talking about you know this this idea that I just kind of. Br- threw in there a second ago of, you know, well, God made me that way, right? You know, a lot of people will use that argument and and they're actually serious. They think that God made them this way. And so it must be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But my dad told me about someone that he knows who maybe a little more helpfully. So doesn't blame God (laughs) for this. Right. And just says, well, that's how I roll. Right. (laughs) But I think, you know, while that's maybe a little more honest, right. Yeah. So I get, I get that you're living this way, which is in contrary, you know, to God's word. Um, but, but is that, you know, is it deterministic? Is it determined? Is that, is that the way you are? How do, how do we, how do we get them out of that when that's their struggle, when they think that God made them this way or, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so go ahead and crucify it here, Mr. We must crucify these things. Well, I think that's exactly, you know, when we talked last in the first article about the human, nature not being identical to original sin um that this is why this is so important is because no god didn't make you that way and yes that's how you roll but that's not a good thing and and that's that's the law i mean that is the hammer of the law is that yeah that's how you live and that's how you like to live and that's what you've chosen to identify yourself as none of that means that's good all that means (laughs) is that's you Right. But you aren't necessarily the measure of right and wrong. You are not necessarily the, the measure of good and evil. And this is where we crucify this. We say, OK, because when we tried that back in the garden, it didn't yeah, work out. It real didn't well work for out us, very well, which is why we have the ideas. Of and, that's how I, <laughs> and they can say, well, you know, whatever. That's just a story about two people in a garden. It doesn't affect me. So, yeah, but but there's this problem with death that you face. And this is where the cross comes in. You say, you know, what did the cross do in light of these issues? Does does the cross say, yeah, it's all just deterministic and whatever happens, happens? No, the cross is God's definitive answer to evil. He's going to kill it, right? God, God answers death on the cross. He kills it and he gives us resurrection in his place so that now death has been defeated. Evil, evil has been conquered. And God doesn't look at you and go, I'm just going to let you live in your evil. Oh, well. You know, I'm just going to let you live in whatever you Guess think is right. that's the way I made you. Oh, well. See, God doesn't say that. The cross says no to all of those ideas. And you can say, well, you know, I was born like this. Well, yeah, you probably were. That's the problem. <laughs> Psalm 51, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sin did that's... my mother conceive me. So like, that if, is how we define original sin. So, I mean, and it's just, you, you can just take this as a logical conclusion. So someone breaks into your house and takes all your stuff and you go, you know, I'm going to call the cops or I'm going to whatever you do to stop them. And they go, no, no, no. I was born like this. I was just born with the proclivity to be a kleptomaniac. You can't, you can't persecute me for this. You can't tell me I'm wrong. And we'd all go, no, get out of my house and get my stuff back. <laughs> you know, I don't care how you were born. You're stealing my stuff. And that's exactly the point is that we only use that argument when we're not offended by the conclusion of it. Well, but then the argument would also come back. Well, that, that affects someone else. But like in matters of sexuality and so forth and who we choose to sleep with. I'm pretty sure that affects someone things. else. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, we, and we make that we can make that argument. Right. And, and, and that's important to, to show how these things do actually affect others. But the argument always inevitably comes back, you know, what, this just concerns me. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, so we, we, and, we have to respond with the no, this does. There, there's no way to not live in community. 
God created us in community. Eve was created from the rib of Adam, right? Humanity is by its very nature a communal thing. Because mm-hmm. the Trinity is. Right. Yeah. In his image. So when Christ comes and, and dies on a cross and is raised again, he actually says that your sin has an effect and your righteousness has an effect. And that's important so that we can no longer say, well, that's just me. No, no, no. That, that, that whole idea has been removed through the incarnation, death and resurrection of Jesus. God actually talks about it as the body of Christ, as members of one body. See, this is what happens when, when we are in Christ, the individual is actually no longer the defining reality for an existence. And this is so huge is, is the idea that I have that conception that I am the end all be all of existence is actually contrary to my existence as a created being, right? I, I do not see life as a context of me because God has made me in his image. And that is fulfilled through the death and resurrection of Christ. Which is exactly back to where we were and why I should have gone to break, but I just couldn't <laughs> stop it because it was too big. But this brings us back to then recreation then, right? So, so what hope is there for someone who is just struggling with, well, that's how I roll or that's, you know, they think that's how I was created. And so, well, get recreated. Right. You know, well, how does that happen? There's actually uh-huh. something better yeah. for you yeah. than what you're trapped in. And, and it's not your free will that will recreate you. Like, right. It's not even your, don't like, don't even like, you know, think that you're choosing to be recreated here. Right. right? Just hear the word. And, and so generally what I do as a pastor and what we all have the freedom to do as Christians is just start speaking the word to mm-hmm. them. It will do yeah. the work. That's right. Right. And so that may be how you roll, but that's a bad way to roll. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And it's corrupted. And so, so then, then this word crucifies your reason, your will, everything right and it recreates you and then the fancy term that we have for this is sanctification mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right and, and, and so you know it's 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 not it's not our driving this it's not determined it's not choosing to do the virtuous things and so forth it just actually does it to you mm-hmm. yeah and if you if they get trapped in determinism say well this isn't my fault don't blame me for this god maybe this way you say actually no I know how God made you, and I know what God has done to recreate you into that. If you're going to blame God for something, blame him for this. Blame him for the death and resurrection of Christ on your behalf. Blame him for his love. Blame him for his forgiveness, right? And, and That's actually, what the Lord does. What, what, what we covered in the affirmative statements is, right, blame yourself for being that right, way, right? Right, You made you that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I make myself into a whole lot of bad things every single day. You started right? off See, bad and then you got worse. And that's, <laughs> and that's where determinism actually comes in is that we're saying, I'm not going to take the blame. I'm going to put it on God or another force out there. And the scriptures don't let us do that. The scriptures say, no, 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 no. It's your fault. You are a sinner. You have... You have cooperated in this sin. You have chosen this sin. You actually love to sin. That's concupiscence. You like sinning. Kevin got it first today. And, and this is why this is so important is because we're not saying, oh, something awful has happened to me, but if it was up to me, I would have chosen good. No, we actually believe that we were born loving to sin, right? And this is why salvation is divine monergism, because my will is not free to do good things. 
It's actually bound to sin and to continue to sin and to love to sin. God must intervene if I am hope if I have any hope of being saved. Yeah, there's a cartoon I shared on social media. So women's like, oh, so it's real. This. Yeah. So uh, cartoon I shared, you know, this lady asked her pastor, you know, pastor, is it OK to say that people are you know, basically good or is it biblically OK to say that people are basically good? And he said, yeah, that's sinning. <laughs> I saw that one. Which, yeah. I think I clicked like on that yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, but but it's true, right? This, yeah. this is this is the nature. And then it also covers the other idea that we get in this kind of dualism, Manichaean, you know, Taoism, the Eastern religion idea, the 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 yin and the yang, you know, that you brought in and so forth. Of you know, a, a really terrible show that does not bear being named, and so I will not name it. But the, used to have this, this Star Wars. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a show back when I was in college. But uh, you know, it, it became famous for this line that. That the main character would say, well, do good things and good things happen, mm-hmm. right? You know, which mm-hmm. is a very much a Taoist, mm-hmm. you know, yin and yang kind of thing. Karma. Uh, but, karma. but see, yeah, karma, right? Uh, well, and that's, he mm-hmm. was always talking mm-hmm. about karma on this show. And yeah. and so this, uh, you know, this is this is the other end of that too, right? Is that it's, it's not just deterministic, you know, in the idea that, uh, you know, that, that you know, I, I uh, what you know, happens do best, to right, you. Be, but yeah. happens to you or that's how I roll or that's you know, who made me this way or anything like that. Right. But then I can have some sort of choosing effect in in doing good things and then more good things will happen. Well, actually, if we take the Bible seriously, sometimes people who are really righteous to use the biblical term, right, right in their living and so forth. some really terrible things happen to them. <laughs> I, have you ever heard the story of Joseph? In the Old Testament, I mean that poor there, guy. There was this Apostle Paul, <laughs> right? Kept yeah. getting beaten, yeah, for preaching the gospel. Although Paul isn't usually my go-to on the first one, and Joseph's well, not a yeah. saint either. Well, he is a saint, but you know what I mean, <laughs> you know. But uh, Paul, uh, Paul's, you know, issue that a lot of people throw out there is that he lived a really terrible life, and so right. he has to make up for, right, make up for you yeah. know. No, but, no, uh, no. Paul said he was perfect. I, right, I know. So... Yeah. Well, well, we was. can ju- dive into a whole lot of Pauline yeah. theology, and it would be a well worth it while show. Um, but uh, you know, just to finish my my thought here, that has gone on way too long already. Is <laughs> is uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't guarantee because again, just think of just think of the biblical narratives that we have, right? Of ones like Joseph, who who are living the way that God calls them to live in, in a very righteous way, and you get you know sold off into slavery by your brothers, get put in prison, you know, for doing good for your master. And it just, I mean, yeah, it doesn't always mean it's going to get good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we need to push forward a little bit more with like four minutes. Left. I was just saying the four minutes we got left, but, but I think we can also then bring in, so we talked about, you know, the Manichaeans back in article one as well, but we also talked about these folks, although we really talked about the semi Pelagians, but the Pelagians come in here and point to negative theses two, which is paragraph nine of the second article, the formula of Concord on free will. It says, we also reject the error of the Pelagians. They taught that a person by his own powers without the Holy Spirit's grace can turn himself to God, believe the gospel, be obedient from the heart to God's law. And so merit the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So that's where I was already driving us, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, this this other side of it then is is that well, then I have to choose to do good. It's and good a natural logical progression. Look at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So go ahead and, and handle this one. What what what's what's wrong with this? What's the what's the um, the false teaching, if you will? Well, if, if we're gonna crucify this idea, there's no Jesus. I take this to the cross and I don't need the cross. 
if if this is how it works, I don't need the cross at all. So there is no cruci- there there is no crucifixion in this in this version of it. It's it's not there at all. So so that's easy. What's the strength of this? Like, why would people be tempted to think this? I, um. Okay, I think one of the thoughts I had is on my post-it note here is this could be a wrong application of apologetics. That that the uh, the, the effort of apologetics of defending the faith of reasoning with somebody can lead to the error of Pelagianism, where you think, if I can just give them the right argument, if I can answer all their questions, and, uh, and you know, there we go, they'll believe and they'll be a Christian. So That's I mean, my thought. Kevin, did you have a different thought? I think it also is a simple, it's, it's really simple logic. If I am responsible for my sin, and therefore God is condemning me, then I must be the one that takes the initiative to, say, to do mm-hmm. something good, so that he will love me. It's that simple. If 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 the law is you're a sinner and therefore you're subject to hell, then the gospel is simply stop sinning, right? Turn to God and you'll be saved. So that's all it is. It's just, it's it's locating again, the turning in me, right? Because it answers the problem of, of my sin. So the answer to that is my action to not sin anymore. It's that simple. And while that makes incredible sense to a human, it simply is not what Scripture teaches to be the case. It, it is true that you are guilty of your sin and you are responsible for your sin. To use the phrase here, it's contrary to the standard of God's word. Right. So, so Scripture does not say, therefore, you must clean up your act so that God will love you. The the which is a of, very pervasive idea, in very especially American Christian culture. Yeah. My, well, and and so that's where I was going to go with it. Maybe maybe even a little more you know, simple than that, right? Is that the idea is, is that this is connected with our original sin. I want to be in control of things, right? Mm -hmm. And so it gives control back into my hands and scripture constantly reminds me, you don't have control. It's not in your hands, right? And and so, yeah, I mean, children learn this really well too, right? Is that we, uh, you know, oh, dad's unhappy with me. I well, if I do this, he'll become happy with me, right? You know, and and we start acting good and so forth. But but that's wrong. It doesn't work that way with God, nope. right? He loves you in Jesus Christ, and so then connecting in with your your idea there, <laughs> the music starting on me, and we're going here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this this is the. The, the main thrust of the thing is that we, we have to let God's word guide us. So the summary then today is is that uh, free will, you don't have it, right? At least not in matters of salvation. But uh, God's grace does come to you through his spoken word. And so we hope that you've been blessed by this discussion today. I thank Dr. Kevin Armbrust, Director of Editorial, for being with us today. Also, Lehman Peter Slayton, Social Media Manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. Always great to have you guys on. Thanks for joining us. And you too, dear listener, if you would like to leave a question or comment for the next time we convene for Concord, you can leave us a message at 314-996-1542. Email kfuo at kfuo.org or find us on social media at kfuo radio. Thanks for stopping by today. Until next time, keep confessing, church.